Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was lifted by bliss. And if you don't feel inspired yet, you might need to hear that all over again. (laughs) This is Sister Jenna, and I'm always happy when you can join me on the air in a time where our vibrations spreading onto each other in ways that we can't decode why we feel the way that we feel. I think our guest today is going to give us a little bit of insight. You know, I am in this incredible field of service 
And what I mean by that is I try to take care of what I'm feeling and thinking as an individual because I believe that the vibration that I leave behind me, somebody picks that up. I've often felt that, everyone. And when I go on my Twitter or I happen to bump to Fox News, and I love everybody, or CNN, or what have you, the vibrations that I feel that are passing through us, I get so concerned if everyone's okay. I counsel so many people, and the amount of cases of individuals who are feeling despondent, disillusioned, almost to some sense uncertain, unclear, I think it's something in the atmosphere. I think there's something in the vibes. It's something in the air. Your thoughts matter not just black lives, not just white lives, not just Indian lives, Indian black. Your thoughts matter. The way that you feel matter. And when we were in the womb of our mother, what she was feeling, we were too. When we were born, the vibrations that we picked up in our environment shaped who we are today. So we're gathering together today to try to understand, is there a way that our thoughts can unify us more than divide us? Because if I'm split inside of myself, then it's only natural that I'm going to influence that consciousness in you. And it's funny, because when we look at the global narrative right this isn't just America. I swear to you, it's not America. What's happening in our government is simply a light boat that's rippling throughout the whole world. And it's just that it's amplified to the world in terms of the idea or the vibration that people are feeling around the world. I've seen how an individual can impact a person's life just by walking in a room. And I've seen the impact someone can have on someone by being extremely angry with another. And so our thoughts matter. Our vibrations matter. And today we are pleased to welcome Oz Perlman. Oz is um, a world-class entertainer and one of the busiest mentalists in the country today, regularly performing for A-list celebrities and Fortune 500 companies. You may have even recently seen him on America's Got Talent, where he captivated the entire country. I think this was rigged. He won third place, but I think he should have gotten first place. You might have also seen him on the Jimmy Fallon show as well or read reviews in the New York Times. Skeptical, but he's won everyone over. O's unique blend of magic and mentalism create an interactive experience that is redefining the very nature. I wouldn't even say just of a magic show, but of who we are and the influence that we have on each other's life. Today, we're proud to welcome Oz Perlman to the America Meditating Radio. I'm so in love with you, you don't even... Hi there, Sister Jenna. Thank you so much for the kind words. (laughs) You should be able to feel that already. I'm feeling it. What what an intro. You've talked me up too much. I'll take it. Well, you know what I was thinking, like, as we've, you know, I've heard of you and I've seen you in America's Got Talent, and I'm telling you, that was rigged. No. I really feel (laughs) that, you know, it should have been the first prize because... When I look at you and I look at the calls that you have responded to, for me, I might be taking it a deeper step. I don't know if you are too, but I see that your work is giving a message to humanity. Check what you're thinking. It can impact the life of another. Well, I like to make it, I like to make it a very fun, interactive experience. So it's exactly like you said in terms of walking into the room and bringing joy when so much of what we take in nowadays is, you know, your phones, media, you're constantly on, on, on. Uh, and you rarely get to go back to the age of, you know, six or seven or eight when something is new and you get that sense of wonder. 
because the world is at your fingertips. You can Google or Wikipedia anything. And when you see my show, it's not really a challenge. It's not where I'm telling you I'm going to fool you. We have a lot of fun. And at the end, you go, that was impossible. How did he do that? And it tends to be a memorable moment. And that's what I try to create and impart with my audiences is a moment of wonder that you don't usually get anymore. You just, unfortunately, in day-to-day life, it's too busy. It flies by too fast to really sink in and enjoy the moment. Now, did you pick that up when you were working at Wall Street? Because then you must have been a really good broker. (laughs) I've learned so much since the days I left Wall Street. But, uh, no, that was a much busier time and a very different uh, lifestyle, if you will, than being my own boss and kind of getting to travel the world and a little bit more of I get to choose and dictate my own future versus when you do have a job that's more corporate that it's dictated for you, if you will. How did you start to live this experience? What was it that was happening in you that just moved you into doing this different kind of call? So when I was a, when I was a teenager, um, I had seen a magician, and I think it filled a big void in my life. My parents had gotten divorced. It was a very tumultuous time in my life. It was very messy, split up, and this was something that I could sink my energy into. It was a very, very persistent and uh, you could call it dedicated, obsessive, whatever you want to call it, kid. And whenever I would get into something, it would be 120%. And when that was what magic was like for me as a teenager, where I was obsessed. I would read books cover to cover. I would go check the mailbox the minute the mailman put in the book or the minute it arrived at the library and I could check out a book, I would read it cover to cover. I'd sit in my room. I don't even know where I got the focus that I did as a child. And I just loved the escape of performing and making people smile and laugh and learning how to, I don't want to say to manipulate because it has negative connotations, but misdirection and magic is all about when you do something in your left hand that's sneaky, you want to make something vanish, you focus people's attention on your right hand. And learning the workings of the human mind, I enjoyed that greatly. And as you advance and get better at it, you challenge yourself. Can I pull this off? And can I do this? And can I do this? And can I start doing this with more people? And next thing you know, for me now, I do shows with sometimes thousands and sometimes tens of thousands of people, and it's very exciting. Every show is different. I never know what's going to happen, and that's what makes it uh, a bit of a rush for me as well. I bet it does. So now I have to book you for our 20-year anniversary with over 2,000 people in the world. I love it. I guarantee you I will add some some fun. (laughs) You're coming to D.C. You've got a big audience waiting for you. Where are you Uh, having it? In Washington, D.C.? Yeah, we're going to have it at the MGM. I'm inviting you. MGM Grand Hall. We've got an audience already waiting for you. Okay, I'm booking you. Perfect. You heard it here first. You've got it there. Beautiful. Definitely. I'll tell Antonia. I'm sure she's going to be very happy to contact you to let you know more. As we talk about magic, I believe that we're seeing some of these scenes in our current narrative in our country. Um, Somebody's doing something with their left hand, but they're showing you something else with their right. Well, I think you absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I'm the director of my show. So it's funny the way, the way, the same way the media works is you direct attention in a certain way, right? And when you're expecting one thing and something else happens, you don't know what the end is. So Not to segue, but in my show, a lot of times people ask me, do you ever get it wrong? And I go, I absolutely get it wrong. That makes it more exciting. But a lot of the time, if I'm going to get something wrong, you would never know it. Because it's kind of, you you think in a movie, 
you didn't know how the movie would end, right? There might be three director's cuts. And if you watch all three, you go, wow, they could have ended the movie that way or this way or that way. I didn't even realize. So the same thing takes place in my show where I don't tell you where I'm going with something. So much of the time... If the road going east is blocked, I end up on the road going west, and you never even know there was another road. That's, I think it's very much the same as the media narrative and a lot of what's going on nowadays in politics and everything is you, you kind of move people in one direction no matter what they think is going to happen. You don't know what's next. Oh, I love that. So tell us, what's the difference between magic and mentalism? Because you bring that in the narrative, and I want to learn more about what is mentalism. So uh, most people know magic. Uh, the majority, 90% of people you meet, they go, oh, is that like a card trick? Or is that like a coin coming out of your ear? It's sleight of hand. It involves fast hands, very visual. Saw a woman in half, put her back together. So magic takes place, generally speaking, with sleight of hand, and you can visually see it. Even if you can't hear a word, you can watch a magic trick and understand it. Mentalism is a much deeper connection. It's a subset. So there's not a lot of props. When you see my show, I go on stage with nothing, with nothing, because the show is what takes place between us. It's the ability to influence people's thoughts, the, um, the, what appears to be mind reading, knowing thoughts that you couldn't possibly know, knowing things from people's past, knowing decisions people will make in real time. So if I told, you know, 10 people to each stand up and everyone think of a number and then we figure out, just you name a number, name a number, and it turns out that that's my phone number. How is that possible? So it's knowing how to influence people, reading their body language. It's much more subtle than magic, and it, it tends to be a specialty. So the same way I would describe a lot of people go to school and they become a doctor and they spend seven, eight years becoming a doctor – Think about the person who became the plastic surgeon and spent another five or six years in school. I'm kind of that. It's, it's more of a subset. There's far, far fewer mentalists than there are magicians. Oh, does it work on everyone? Because I'm such a skeptic of everything. I don't know how I ended up in meditation. <laughs> so, yes, it does work on everyone, but to varying degrees. So it's not quite the same as hypnosis. Most people, they think, you can't hypnotize me. And so... The way that I would describe that is if you don't want to be hypnotized, you won't. Now, I, I'm not doing hypnosis in my show, but the same exact underlying currents of if you want to be a willing participant, then it'll happen. It tends to be the two extremes. The people that are the most skeptical and the people that are the most believing are the ones that I knock out of the park because they're the ones that you just can't believe it or they want to believe it. The ones in the middle are a little more challenging because their body language might be a little more difficult to read. They might be slightly more indifferent. But what I say is the extremes tend to be the most powerful in terms of reactions. It's very challenging to do over the radio because so much of what I do involves a visual context where I need to watch your expressions. I need to hear your voice. And that's why I, otherwise I, don't, I wouldn't have to fly all over the world to do my show. I would just dial it in. But I need to usually see you to have a good response. I've been a unique subject for you on July 2nd. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> now tell me. If I win you over, everybody else will be impressed. That's the key. It's when you go to the one person with their arms crossed who's frowning, if you make them smile and cheer, you won over the crowd. Listen, every Indian in India will get to cheer about you. You're going to be so busy. Great. Um, I just got back, actually, from that neck of the world. I was in Bali. I just got back two days ago from Indonesia. Oh, I love it there. It's beautiful. Gorgeous. Um, you go to a lot of Fortune 500 companies, and yes. perhaps some individuals who are always looking for shortcuts, do they sometimes come to you and, and ask for advice, like how can mentalism actually help them in business or in negotiations? 
It's yes, to some degree, you'd be surprised. I do a tremendous amount of things for law firms, partner retreats, associate retreats, things of that sort. And the lawyers love it because they, they say to me, we're bringing you in for our next jury selection. You know, you'll know what they think before they think it. But the problem is, it's the same way that I mentioned earlier, framing a movie. So when you see my show, I'm in control of the narrative. So if it makes sense, a lot of the skills that you watch in the show and you'll see and I'll tell people all these things about themselves and it is very genuine. When I say genuine, nobody's rigged, nobody's staged. I don't talk to people in advance. No one's in on it. And trust me until you see it in a room with 2,000 people of family and friends and people that you've known for years and you go, well, how is he doing this? It's hard to believe when you're a skeptic. I'm not a psychic or a fortune teller. It's all natural skills. But those types of skills in my setting, when I'm in control of the show, it's one thing. In another setting, for example, at a poker table or in a negotiation, it's much more challenging to use the same skills because things are faster and I can't really tell you what to do. It happens on your terms. So some of the skills do apply, but not all of them to business. That said, I always tend to get very good deals when I negotiate. When I'm buying a new car, when I'm getting a contractor to do work, I'm reading their minds and I know the lowest they'll go. Right. Now tell me something. Do you think sometimes people feel like you're you're seeing way too much into them and they feel a little bit naked in front of you? The way that you can kind of go down two paths when you're watching a show of this sort is one of them is what you just said, which is feeling exposed, which is feeling this is creepy. How does he know all this stuff? And the other one is if you become approachable and likable and you revel in the moment with your audience in tandem. So instead of creating this challenge where, hey, look, I'm smarter than you are and putting yourself on a higher level, if you create yourself to be an equal with your audience and we experience everything together where you're just as happy and excited as they are and you teach little moments throughout. So I'll teach you little things here. I go, watch how I learned how he lied right there. And then you go, wow. And then I do something just one step more difficult and you don't know how I did that. Then you feel a part of the show. So I take a tremendous amount of effort and thought and put it into making sure that my audience feels comfortable and never feels what you just said, which is that I am taking advantage or that I am crossing a line. Nobody is ever put into an uncomfortable situation. I never reveal anything that you wouldn't want revealed, if that makes sense. It is very wholesome. It's very fun. And most of the people that walk in and go, I never would have wanted to be a part of this, they leave and they're the ones shaking my hand and saying, oh my God, I wish I could have come on stage again. That is my goal when I do the show is to make everyone feel comfortable to make it enjoyable, and to make it, most importantly, memorable. Oh, this is what you do. Can it help us to move beyond this incredible charged time that we're in? I've been looking at creating an alumni of friends and individuals around the world, and we're in conversations about how to move this narrative that we're in globally, this energy of, um, I, don't, I don't know how to say, we're not as kind as we can be. Right. Is there some you could offer our listeners that you'd say, you know what, guys, I have understood the workings of the mind and, and vibrations and consciousness. I would recommend that you do the following. Here it is, it, unequivocally. I think that the the number one thing that I've learned, it's taken me more and more time to do, is learn to listen to others. So, so much of my show involves at some point pausing and really absorbing and listening to others. And so much of how I've advanced in my career and in my personal life is when people will meet me and they'll love the show and they like what I do and it's very different, unique, they'll want to talk about me. And at some point I will try to always spin the table around and ask more about them and genuinely listen. Instead of that moment where you just wait for your turn to speak, really Take a moment, look them in the eye, forget about everything else, your phone, what you want for dinner, and listen to what they're saying and ask insightful questions. That's how I've built a lot of relationships with 
people that you never even knew that, that I wouldn't connect with on that level, people that have become mentors, people, like you said, Fortune 500 companies, leaders of these companies that meet a million people, but I've connected with them where we've really enhanced business relationships. They've been able to help me. I've been able to help them. And it's just from asking questions, listening, and engaging in the moment. I don't know how else to explain it. It's, it's, you have a lot of very passive, quick, meaningless things that you do with people throughout the day. But when someone really stops and looks you in the eye and speaks to you as an equal and asks you questions that are deep and, and about you, I find that you create those bonds that are, that are much more meaningful than just, uh, hey, how are you? And oh, great. And then you start talking about something else. Uh, I, I really try to, to harness those types of things where I listen to people. I like that. That makes you a very good translator because um, one of the practices I've been raised in is to offer this very gentle sharing of the gaze of love through the eyes. In Hindi, we call it trishti, and it means a spiritual bond between you and another, despite that you're not interested in their labels. You're more interested on the virtue or the quality of the person in front of you. And that being said, is there a role that you've experienced for you that the energy of the divine or God, have you felt that sometimes when you're performing or is it something that happens before or post or it's an energy that you feel that walks with you? It's tough to say because the show and I, I really go to long ends to let people know that I don't have anything supernatural about me. I, I don't purport to be psychic or in any way a fortune teller or a healer. The skills that I have are an innate talent. There's something to be said for the fact that I don't think everyone can do what I do at the same level, but everyone can learn some of it, if that makes sense. It's the same as a musician. You could be one of the world's greatest pianists, but you trained for years and years. It's a natural talent you had, but you spent countless tens of thousands of hours to achieve that level of, you know, technical prowess that you can do that so well, play an instrument. So the same thing applies to mentals. I could teach you simple mentalist things and you could learn them and go, wow, but you have to have a knack and a dedication and, and a skill that's innate to get to the next level. So uh, it's not supernatural what I do. Uh, I definitely have belief and faith. And I think that that guides you along. You have to have something that you believe in, it doesn't matter what it is, I think everyone's got different religions, faiths, whatever you're into, but something that makes you wake up every day and makes you strive for something else. To me, I, I tend to be very passionate about growing and learning and meeting new people, and that's what excites me. Also, my job is one of joy. It's not as if I'm a funeral director bringing people bad news. When I walk in, I, I, people's eyes light up, you know what I mean? It's, I have, I'm one of the luckiest people that I know. I just, I have a great job. I work for myself. I love what I do. It's not really work when I go there. It's, it's fun. So I, I, I can't tell you how lucky I am. I get that. And I think that when you are living your life to strive and to keep, you know, loving to meet people and grow with people, I call that, I call that divinity. And I call that, you know, something greater than me. Because a lot of us sometimes get so stuck in our world because we're not loving enough and we're not curious enough to learn more about another person. So even perhaps our own story or our own ability to convey a very powerful story to light up people's lives, that's on hold because we're just not loving enough. And I feel that if you are, and I, I feel that from you, you bring that love into what you're doing, and so your download is taking place all the time, even when you're challenged, either with an audience or with somebody, you know, you, you, you break through that. 
And I'm going to go to a very silly question. You and I meet a lot of people, perhaps in a day or in a week, and sometimes you don't remember the name, but you do remember that face. Right. And I sometimes feel so uncomfortable when I'm in front of someone. Actually, it happened to me today, and somebody gave so much love. Sister Jenna, it's so good to see you. And I go, oh, yes. And I feel so untruthful. When I'm looking at somebody and I'm going, what is her name? Right. How do you you help me to keep remembering names of all the faces that we meet? So that's a very challenging subject. So the way I would describe when I do my shows, I memorize hundreds of people's names in an evening. For the evening, though, if you learn more about memory, there's short-term memory and long-term memory. And the way to imprint long-term memory is much more challenging and involves many more Contacts. Contacts means you have to say the name many more times. You have to put it in your mind over and over and over to, to memorize that person forever, um, right? Versus short term, for the most part, you it's more awkward, in my opinion, to meet somebody in the same evening or at the same social setting and then not know their name 10 minutes later versus if you saw somebody and you made a big impact on them and they saw you a week, two weeks, a few months later, it's a little more forgivable and excusable to, to at that point say, oh my goodness, it's so great to see you. Remind me your name and people aren't offended. Does that make sense? So I, the best way is don't forget their name on the spot. And it's usually very challenging if you meet numerous people at once. If you're in that line of 10 and shaking hands, oh, yes, oh, yes. But if you meet somebody one-on-one, try to empty your mind. Especially, I mean, this is going to be great for your listeners and viewers. The same skill, I assume, that's meditation where you're focusing on your breathing. Take a moment. And at that moment, anything you can do, forget the room. Tune out all the noises. Tune out any other thought. Forget about what you're about to say. And when they say their name, shake their hand, look them in the eyes, and repeat their name and and say, oh, Jenna, such a pleasure to meet you, Jenna. I know it might sound awkward to say it twice, and then if you can give a compliment, something, I love your nail polish, Jenna, that's beautiful, where did you get that? Two things happen. One, you're going to remember the name. If you've said it three times in the first few seconds, you you will not be able to forget it. I'm, I'm telling you, you will see their face and it will pop in your mind. But also, you've just given a great compliment. Everybody loves where you tell them something nice. And so it's a great trick when you meet somebody, and you can do that with two or three people. I wouldn't necessarily give everyone a compliment because it gets a little weird, but make an effort to say their name. Don't say anything else. So try not to say anything other than their name. Don't think of anything else. Be in the moment. Uh, and that's that's a tip that I use, uh, that you don't need mnemonics. You don't need to create pictures. There's lots of other ways if you want to remember hundreds of names. For any of your any of your listeners that are really into it, you could read Harry Lorraine, L-O-R-A-Y-N-E. He's a brilliant, brilliant memory teacher with simple tricks that will allow you to remember names of many, many people. Wow, lovely. Uh, so now what's in your horizon? What's up except for July 2nd? Book that, but... Yeah, so aside from July 2nd, if we're listening to this in a timely manner, coming up I have a show. I don't do that many shows that are open to the public just because simply I do a lot of corporate events. uh, I do a lot of private parties, and I do them all over the world. But I have a rare one coming up that's not sold out yet. It's getting there. It's on June 17th. If you are in or around New York, it's in West Hampton. So it's out in the Hamptons. Beautiful time of year to be there, and it's going to be at the West Hampton Beach Performing Arts Center. I can, if anybody goes on my YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those things, it's on there. And you get to see my show. Tickets are very reasonable. And I promise you it will be an incredible evening. 
promise you that. Money back guarantee that if you're not blown away, I'll pay you back on the spot. You're going to be freaked out and you're going to have a great time. You're going to laugh uh, and have your mind thoroughly read is, is, is my guarantee. Oh, we love you. Thank you. So thank you. Much. Just thank you for bringing joy into our world. And again, like I might have mentioned earlier in our conversation, I just feel what you're offering is something for me that confirms and reminds me of the power of our thinking. And that if we think more in a way that's beneficial to others, brings light to others, that brings peace to others, we are passing that on. We're vibrating that and we're influencing our community and our, our relationships. So thank you so much for that. Well, thank you for having me on, and thank you for all you do as well. Many good wishes, my sweet brother. Take care. Take care. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that was Oz Perlman. Visit him at O-Z-P-E-A-R-L-M-A-N.com. He's got an event coming up on, I think that was in 17, uh, in the Hamptons. So please uh, go to his website for more information on that. And we'll be definitely mentioning that on the air, too. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Again, Oz shared with you that he studied this. He's understood it. It's a calling. Like Prince, there's only one Prince who can play that guitar. And he's got that special gift of doing this kind of entertainment that does give us the power to remember that our thoughts matter. I keep going back to that from the opening of the show. So for whatever it's worth, go out and see him. I hope you've enjoyed today's conversation like I have. And if he's really going to stick to his words, hopefully he'll be with us on July 2nd as well. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we are here to love each other the same. I want to give a big shout-out and a big thank you to Argo Irish Foundation that honored today's show. And we're going to end this particular show with someone that I met on Twitter, Joe Robb, um, a young man. I don't know much about him, but he released a, a song called Wake Up, and I'd like for you all to be the first to hear it. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. 30,000 children live in the streets of La Paz, Bolivia. Most of these children live on the bridges and cemeteries or wherever they can find shelter. They eat whatever they can find, steal or beg. Father Joseph Maria Neuenhofer, a German priest, has dedicated his entire life in helping these children. For the last 23 years, Foundation Arco Irish, founded and led by Father Neuenhofer, has helped thousands of these children in providing shelter, food, education, and medical care through the Foundation's hospitals. For more information and to donate to Foundation Arco Iris, go to www.arcoirisamerica.org.
on your shoulder, say you can't escape. Ain't nobody in your corner, what you gonna do? Keep a truck or keep a punch and like stick and move. Don't let it break you, motivate you, make it work for you. Cause you the number one son and you know what to do. You gon' keep, keep laughing at these doors and knock, knock, 